to us in the summer of 21. We couldn't get him last summer, but he was here in the summer of 21. And I remember uh, many of you uh, talking to me about how much you enjoyed his uh, sermon that day. So uh, most of us have heard him before. But uh, for your information, Cyril is uh, our PCA minister at Howard University. There's actually a second one now, Chris Reed, um, that we know even better because he's been here lots of times. And um, But uh, Cyril is working with uh, college students there in the PCA college ministry called Reformed University Fellowship and uh, been there, what, three years now? Four years? It's my fourth year. Yeah, this is your fourth year. So that's great. And uh, I happen to be on the committee of RUF that oversees uh, all the RUFs in the uh, presbytery. And so I get to see him even more than than uh, I would if it was just a presbytery. But um, it's such a joy. I'm so grateful that you're willing to come. I don't even know where you went to seminary, so I can't even say that. Where did you go to seminary? Covenant? RTS Jackson, RTS Jackson Mississippi. Uh, tornado land down there these days. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, welcome. Come and we're eager to uh, hear the word of God. <laughs> All right, thank you, Jack. Okay, let's see. All right. All right, good evening. It is good to be here. It's good to see you all again. Uh, again, yep, I'm Cyril Chavis, uh, the RUF campus minister at Howard, and um, it's a joy to be able to, to be in the area and to be able to um, minister in the area and to be able to do things like this, to be able to be co-laborers with, with Jack through the RUF committee and to be able to come and, and share in God's word with you all. Um, all right, so are, are, are we still on track? Is, is, is everything uh, about 40 minutes? Is, is, is that okay? All right, so uh, flip with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And I, uh, I, I echo what's been said already. I love retreats, just already being away from the home and kind of being in this retreat-ish space. You know, it just feels like a retreat and... Uh, I, I, I love retreat atmospheres, and so I'm looking forward to getting to know you all this weekend. So um, I'll introduce myself to you, and uh, you all feel free to introduce yourselves to me, and I, I'd love to connect with you all this weekend. Again, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. Uh, so one of the big themes for the book of Ephesians really is two themes combined. The church, the importance of the church, the primacy of the church in power. The church in power. And these two things combined makes the theme of Ephesians victory. It's a lot of uh, Paul basically driving home to them that they have victory in Christ. And so really um, this, this weekend I want us to explore what it means to be united. What it means to be united together as a church. Um, so we're we're going to look at several different things. We're going to be looking at united around a common message, united around a common or under a common authority, united with a common community, part one and part two. And then we're going to talk about being united around a common posture. 
But tonight we're going to talk about being united around a common message because the church needs to be united around the gospel. Uh, Without the gospel, we are nothing. And without the gospel, we have no victory. And that's really what we're going to look at tonight. The uh, whole point for our time tonight is that the good news is good. So share it. The good news is good. The second good is in italics. The good news is good. So share it. Again, Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. I'll read and pray for us and we'll dive in. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Would you all pray with me? Lord, thank you for this time. Where we can be here gathered. And Lord, we get away from our regular routines on the weekend and our regular rhythms in order to to see you, to know you. Jesus, we admit that we are nothing without you. Lord, we are so grateful that you have even revealed yourself that you may be known. And so, Lord, I pray over this whole uh, weekend that we, we would know you more deeply, more richly. Lord, I pray that tonight we would know you more deeply. Um, as the one who brings life, as the one who raises the dead. Lord, I pray that we would see uh, you are good. Lord, you are truly good. Lord, would you invigor us, enliven us, so that we might cherish you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, fill me once more. Lord, would you fill me uh, that I might be able to serve your people. Lord, fill me with power, with grace, with boldness, with conviction, with clarity. Lord, I need your power. Lord, I can't serve you without you. So, Lord, I pray that you bring life to uh, what is a frame of dust. I pray that you would give me a clean conscience that I might serve you, the living God. Lord, I pray that you would open the hearts of your hearers so that they might receive your word and understand your word. And not only that, but they would love your word. Lord, I pray that during our time here, you would use everything, our fellowship, our service, our prayers, our singing, your word to make us different. Lord, I pray that we would go home different. Would you start that work, or would you continue that work even now? Lord, we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.
Can you all hear me well? Yes. All right, good. All right, so many of us know what it is like to achieve some kind of success, whether it be in your family or whether it be in school or high school, middle school, college, whether it be at work or whatever it might be in your community. Oftentimes, we have had moments of success where we've been admired, where we might have been financially comfortable, where we've got that new job. Uh, many of us are enjoying that now. And we can celebrate that. But with success, there oftentimes comes distractions. Am I right? There can be the distraction of comfort, unbridled ambition, clout chasing, anxiety, insecurities. And all these things can distract us from the good thing that is success. We can get cocky and become rude. And we can become condescending to others around us. And we can totally lose a sense of gratitude and happiness. And you know what can be or what is often at the center of this complex issue? Forgetfulness. We can forget. Don't we see forgetfulness in the movies? Are, are, any, are any of y'all Star Wars fans? I can't wait to watch The Mandalorian. Um, but um, Darth Vader in Star Wars is a classic example. He starts out as a powerful young Jedi. He's being trained up by, by Obi-Wan, and he forgets his humble beginnings. He forgets his Jedi master's uh, good love towards him, and he loses who he truly is. Don't we see this in famous entertainers and business moguls? They start out um, with pure intentions and pure motives, and then they get into the business, and they totally get lost, and they uh, sacrifice and compromise in order to achieve success. And dare I say, don't we sometimes see this in our politicians? They start out wanting to serve, and they start out wanting to um, really invest in the community, and then they get uh, in, into a position of power and success, and they start to lose sight of why they started out in the first place. See, the thing is, for all, for, for all of us, we can totally forget where we came from. We can forget who got us to where we are, and we can forget who we are. And this is why oftentimes uh, we, we, we love the seasoned saints who look at us uh, uh, younger folks who don't have as much wisdom. And they say, look, when, when you graduate school or when you get your first job, you get a little money in your pocket. Don't forget who you are. They say, uh, remember where you came from. Remember the people who got you to where you are and remember who you are. These are popular sayings because they help us recover a grip on reality in the midst of success. Uh, we must remember. We must remember. And isn't the same thing true in our spiritual lives? That we start out believing in Jesus and we're fired up. We, we, you know, back when there was such a thing as CDs or cassettes, we threw away all of our secular CDs and secular cassette tapes. And, you know, we're fasting from um, TV and we're fired up. And we're sharing the gospel with everyone we can see. And I remember I was like this in college and people knew when I was coming around. They're like, oh, here comes Cyril. We already know it's about to happen now. I'm like, hey, uh, so what do you think love is? And, you know, they knew I was going to start talking about God's love. Um, we make big changes in our lives, but don't we sometimes get distracted? We forget. Uh, trials and tribulations come. Old sins start to creep in. Anxiety, clout chasing, insecurities, and guilt can drown out our joy. And many other things we forget. We forget where we came from. We forget who got us here. And we forget who we are. In summary, the enemy wants us to forget the good news. The enemy wants us to forget how good the good news really is. 
and we start to walk outside of the power of Christ, um, and we start to neglect a lifestyle that's filled with excitement and joy in the gospel, and we become lackluster Christians. And our ability to share the good news with others. So, uh, like I said, the main point for our time today is the good news is good, so share it. The good news is good, so share it. And one of the ways that we remember that the good news is good is that we remember it. And this is what Paul is doing in this passage. He's doing spiritual warfare by helping them remember. He wants them to Remember. So I'm going to uh, look at three things that uh, the Apostle Paul wants us to remember uh, in this passage. So the first thing is the Apostle Paul wants us to remember where we came from. These are in verses one through three. He wants us to remember where we came from. Look at verse one. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. He wants us to remember that we came from death. We came from death. You see, when he's talking to the Ephesian Christians, he wants them to remember their former way of life. Um, They they became Christians and they started walking in a different manner. the, The way they used to live their lives was defined by sins and trespasses, both against God and their neighbors. And to live in such a way was death. Death isn't only just the separation of our spirits from our bodies, but apart from Christ, we are the walking dead. Not only were they from death, but they came from the world. It says, following the course of this world. You see, oftentimes when the Bible says world, don't think, uh, you know, the entire population of the world. This is a technical term. It's a way of referring to humanity in rebellion against God. Uh, humanity with all of their ways of thinking, feeling, doing, with all of their governments and customs and cultures in organizations and institutions that rear their heads against God. And here's the thing. Um, when they, before they met Jesus, they were right at home with the world. They were a part of the world. And not only that, but they came from the devil. The Apostle Paul says, not only were they following the course of the world, but it says, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And so you might be looking at this and say, who in the world is the prince of the power of the air? (laughs) So I'm going to break it down. A a prince. So oftentimes um, evil spirits, basically the Bible teaches that um, pretty like um, pretty much evil, pretty much um, the world that we see. There's another world behind it called the heavenly realms. And there's kind of a battle going on behind the scenes for authority and power over this world. And the evil authorities are called rulers or principalities or powers. We see this in the Bible. So a prince was an evil spiritual being who was vying for power. And the air is the place where it's kind of like a metaphorical way of referring to the spiritual realms. So the prince of the power of the air is this powerful being who, is, uh, who has power in the spiritual places. And this person is none other than Satan, the devil, Beelzebul, the evil one, the enemy. And John 12 calls him the ruler of this world. He's the ruler of this world because when Adam and Eve, so Adam and Eve were supposed to be kings and queens, right? God created them to have dominion and to subdue. 
and to fill the earth with his glory. But the, the serpent convinced them to rebel against God. So God had to basically kick them off the throne. And guess what the, uh, the, the most cunning animal in the garden did? The serpent, a.k.a. Satan, sat on their throne. He's like, I got them off the throne. Now I can sit on it. I'm the ruler of this world. And much of what Jesus came to do was disarm, you know, that, that's, a, that's a biblical term, disarm the rulers and the authorities and the, and, the, and, 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 the, and the powers in the heavenly realms. When Jesus was resurrected and ascended, that's what he did. Uh, that, that's what it means that he has a name above every name. He has a name not only above human names, but every spiritual name as well. So, um, this evil power, the prince of the power of the air, is, the Bible tells us is energizing or is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Isn't that pretty creepy? <laughs> Satan, like in the same way that God sends his spirit to submit us to himself, Satan has a spirit that submits people to himself as well. He works in a similar way. Before the Ephesians met Jesus, their lives were animated by spiritual darkness and animated by Satan. Not only that, he wants to remind them that they came from the flesh. The Bible says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So again, the flesh here is, is a technical term. Don't think like our literal um, skin, like the, like the meat on our bones. The flesh is a, is a way of talking about their old selves before Christ. They, they lived in a fleshly way. In other words, a, a way that did not have the spirit. Uh, is, and, and their deeds were, were done through the flesh. And they were driven by uncontrollable sinful desires. And even their best deeds were incomplete, out of line with faith in God, and corrupted by bad motives. And because they operated in this way, the Bible tells us that they were children of wrath by nature. Which means that they deserved a punishment for rebelling against the judge and king of the universe. The just punishment was God's wrath for destroying themselves, destroying their neighbors, and destroying God's good world. So, are y'all still with me? So, there, like he, like Paul packs a lot in these few verses. So, to summarize, the devil controls the world. The world shaped their lives. Their lives were filled with sinful desires and deeds. And this whole complex of corruption is under God's just punishment. And so, you know, maybe, maybe some of y'all are like, you know, okay, we've heard this before. This is pretty familiar. But maybe some of y'all are like, well, I've never heard this before. This is kind of weird. Um, what is this dude talking about up here? Demonic forces and the wrath of God. What is going on? Is this, what, is this, what is this retreat going to be like? Um, <laughs> but is it really surprising, though, when we talk about these things? When we look at, all we have to do is look at our, uh, I was about to say newspapers. We have to look at our phone apps, our news apps. To really realize that this world is messed up, and it it it, it isn't it doesn't just look like cha- like uh, uh, coincidences, right? It doesn't just look like by chance. In the same way where we talk about intelligent design behind the creation of the universe, uh, the the scriptures teach that there's an intelligent design behind evil, that there are forces, there's beings, there's spirits that are animating evil, that are influencing the world for evil, and they're united, they're strategizing, they're they're working together. Um, to, to, to make us all sad and hopeless and far away from God. The, Christianity's doctrine of sin is one of the easiest ones to prove for me. 
You know, we, we I, I think, I, and, and, and we, we oftentimes look at uh, horrible evil, and, and when we're trying to figure out a category to speak about it, and we often say, oh, that person is just mentally ill, and I think that's just a, a, a cop-out. No, there, there is evil in the world. Um, there, there, there is such a thing as utter evil. And oftentimes, as Christians, the problem is that we can be at peace with a world that is we can be at peace with a world that is not at peace with God. And how does this happen? We forget where we, came, where we come from. We forget where we come from. Just like the successful person that's forgotten their humble beginnings, uh, we forget our humble beginnings. Now, the reason why we don't share our faith more is because sometimes we actually believe that people who are not Christians actually kind of have it a little better than we do. You know, some, sometimes we, we can look back at our lives before we were Christians and we're like, oh, wasn't it so much easier? Didn't really have to fight sin as much. And, you know, I didn't have to face opposition for believing in Jesus. And, um, man, Christians are really weird and I didn't have to hang around as many Christians, you know. And don't, can we sometimes fall into this way of thinking when we look at other people's lives? We can be envious of people who are not following the Lord. We look at them and say, oh, wouldn't it be nice to make that much money? I feel like this whole generosity thing in the Christian faith is kind of getting him away, you know, or this whole thing of being honest. I wish I could kind of, you know, cut corners like my coworkers do, right? I wish I could lie and make that little extra money like my, like my competition does. Um, there's, there's this one popular uh, song. Uh, have have you all heard of Drake? <laughs> okay. All right. I'm just, I'm just making sure. Um, I, I know I, I'm a college pastor and I, and I lose touch with things not on the college campus. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Drake has a song that's called Started from the Bottom, Now We're Here. Right? Have y'all, have y'all heard of this song? <laughs> um, and, we should, and we should be, as Christians, we should be screaming, started from the bottom, now we're here. Right? We are with Jesus. We started from the bottom, we were dead. But don't we sometimes sing the opposite? We say, started from the top, and now we're here with Jesus. Right? Because we forget where we came from. And oftentimes, I have to, like, look at myself in the mirror or just sit and think and just say, Cyril, just stop for a minute. Do you remember why you believed in Jesus? Why I believed in Jesus is because I was dead. I was miserable. My sin was kicking my tail. (laughs) I was participating in the evil of the world, and the spirit of Satan was energizing me. I was a slave to my destructive deeds and desires, and I had a death sentence over me in the courts of God. This is why I became a Christian. God loved me to my senses. Um, and, 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 and here's the thing. As, as whether you're a Christian or not, wherever you are in your walk, whether you're a seeker, a skeptic, uh, or whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, wherever you're at, we all have the same call from God to embrace Jesus. We all have the same call to embrace life. We have a common enemy and a common call from God to embrace Christ. But here's the second thing. First, that was remember where you came from, but also we must remember who God is here. Remember who God is here. So look at verse four. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. So we just talked about where we came from. We came from death. But this passage also says we have been made alive in Christ. 
But God is one of the most beautiful phrases in all of the Bible. We had a great dilemma, but we also have a great deliverer. And why did God do it? Because of his love for you. God loves you. This passage, and throughout this passage, it uses all these different words for God's posture towards you. It uses the words love, mercy, grace, and kindness. And all of these words are just uh, different forms of saying the same thing. I, I think Paul is starting to go into spoken word. I, th- I, I, I really wish we could have heard him preach um, because I think he was like kind of a poet. Look at, look at the language here. It says, because of the great love with which he loved us. Like he's being flowery in his language. He, he says love twice and rich in mercy and he keeps going. Um, his mercy is God's love for the miserable. He loved you when you were miserable. His grace is his love for the unworthy. His, his kindness is God's gentle love. He loves us in so many different ways. And he loved us to life. Look at, look at verse 5. It says, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Verse 8. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. It says that God made you alive with Christ. Now, here's the thing. Um, when... When, so when we believe in Jesus, we are united to him. And whatever belongs to him belongs to us. Whatever is true of him is true of us because we're united to him. So when Christ was resurrected from the dead and ascended to power in heaven, his resurrection gave him life over death, and his ascension gave him power over all of the enemy. And if you're united to him, those things belong to you. You have been raised from uh, death to life. If you're united with him, you have ascended. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Christians, we have victory and we have overcome everything that is ugly and untrue and evil in the world. Because we're united to the one who has overcome all those things. You were once walking in death, but now you are walking in life. You uh, once had a worldly life, but now you have a heavenly life. You were under the power of Satan, but now you reign over Satan. You were under the wrath of God, but now you are under grace. You are alive, Christian. It's really like giving a car a jump. Have you ever been in a season? I'm really asking because it feels really weird. Before I came on this uh, retreat, I was going to my Honda. And the, so I'll give you a little backstory. <laughs> Basically, so we have a van and the battery had a fit of, of, of the battery dying. And, uh, and so I had to jump that, and we got that fixed. And then my, uh, my, my, my car died, the battery died, and I had to get that battery replaced. And then uh, this evening I go out to uh, my sedan. Um, it was my old car from when I was 16, and I just haven't gotten rid of it. I've been trying to take care of it. And the tire is flat. Have you ever had a season where just bad things just keep happening to your cars? Am I the only one? I'm like, is someone in my neighborhood just messing with my cars? I need to set up a camera anyway. I just needed to vent for a second. But, <laughs> um, like, it, it's like when, when you jump a car, is you, you, you have the car with a dead battery, and then you have another car that uh, is next to it, and you hook up the cables, uh, 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 you, you, you hook up the cables to the, to the car that's alive and, you, and, and is connected to the car that's dead, and then you rev the engine of the car that's alive, and it brings a car that's dead to life. 
This is what salvation is like. Christ pulls up, and he's the, he, he's the car that's alive. And the cables are faith in the Holy Spirit. And you get connected with him, and he, he revs his resurrection engine, and you are brought to life. This is what it is like to be saved. You are in union with his life, being united to him. Whatever is true of his battery is true of your battery. He brings you to life. Um, and here's the thing. It's not your own doing. A car can't jump itself. There has to be two cars. Well, I guess nowadays it's probably like battery chargers now. But there has to be something else, right? Um, a drowning person can't lifeguard themselves. A house can't extinguish itself. Somebody had to come rescue you. It had to be by grace. And this is what the Bible says when it says it's by grace. It means it's a gift. It's something you couldn't do for yourself. Um, it's, it's almost like receiving a gift in, on, in, during Christmas. We don't boast about how amazing of a gift giver we are when we receive gifts. No, we boast about the one who has given the gift. You say, man, this person got me this. Aren't they so thoughtful? Man, this person got me this, and they, you know, I don't know how much it cost, but I think it was expensive. They took the, the sticker tag off, right? We boast about the, the generosity of the gift giver. This is what it is like to be saved. We boast in God's generosity. The whole of the Christian life is boasting in the grace of God. And God brought you to life for his own glory. In verse 7, it says, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So I love this about God. What was his goal in saving us? He wanted to show, it's almost like you're a billboard. He wants other people to know how generous he is. Like, um, have, have you ever given a gift and then you're like, hey, you know, I've never done this. Hey, I want you to receive this gift and I want you to show it off so I can give more gifts to everybody. You know, no one, no one, I've never done that. I'm not gonna say no one. I've never done that because I'm not that generous. God is that generous. God is that grand. God is that lavish. He says, when I save, when I save you, I want you to tell everybody how generous I am because I love giving. Because I want you to live in such a way where past, present, and future can see my riches of generosity. I love this. Uh, he says, so that the coming ages, um, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. He displays his glory to future generations so that every generation can be wooed to him. He is wooing the world to himself. He is good. And this happens by faith. This is how we actually become Christians. This is actually how we take hold of the grace of God. By faith. Faith is just open hands. That's all faith is. Faith is this. Saying, God, you give and my hands are open. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's, that's it. That's what faith is. That's, that's the beginning of the Christian life. Faith just means you're relying on something or someone else. When you're drowning, you have no option but to trust the lifeguard, right? When you're under anesthesia for surgery, isn't that, I've never been under anesthesia for surgery, um, but I imagine it is really uncomfortable, right? Because you close your eyes and then you wake back up and you're like, what did everyone just do to me, right? You had to trust the surgeon to take care of the issue that needed fixing, this is, this is what faith is like with God, that we need God to do something to us. We need God to heal us. And we say, God, I totally give myself to you. I totally trust you. Do what you need to do. I give myself to you. It is merely receiving help. In our salvation, God is the one who saves. We don't save ourselves. We weren't smart enough. We weren't cute enough. We weren't wealthy enough. We didn't come from the right family. 
we weren't strong enough, we weren't determined enough to determine that we needed saving. God, by his spirit, had to help us. And family, have we forgotten who got us here? Have we forgotten who's got us here? That oftentimes as Christians, we can just start to lose that sense of gratitude. We can start to lose that sense of the radical generosity of God. And we're like, oh, being saved is just okay. Or we just don't even think about being saved anymore. We're just kind of going through the motions. We need to stop and think about, man, God, you have brought me from so far, God. God, you have saved me from so much. You have delivered me from so many things. And we live our lives in a, a vibrant gratitude, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of, of the, 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 the valley of the shadow of death, we still enjoy the fact that our shepherd is there with us. But lastly, we remember how good the good news is by remembering who we are. Remembering who we are. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Um, so, here, so here's the thing. It says we are his workmanship. This is who we are. We are his workmanship. Um, in other words, we are something made by God. We, we were, all of humanity was created by God. We were, we were created to be his image bearers, which means we're created to glorify him. And when we're saved, God is restoring that. He's making us back into his image. He's making us look like him even more. Um, When you're saved, you are remade. You are refurbished. You're recreated. God DIYs you for his own glory. And not only that, but he created, it says we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. So I, I think sometimes as Christians, we can forget this. That we can lean on God's forgiveness and we can lean on the fact that we're saved. But we forget that God saved us for many different purposes. One of them is for good works. We aren't saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. He wants us to take good works seriously. And if... If we believe that, oh, because we're saved by grace, we can now sin it up and we can now be like authentic and real, which uh, sometimes is a code word for just like expressing my sinful thoughts and habits and desires. We have misunderstood grace. The same grace that forgives is the same grace that empowers us to live new lives. It's the same grace that empowers us to be self-giving, self-sacrificial people for others. And the Bible says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has literally planned out the good works that we're meant to do. And all we have to do is jump in the game. All we have to do is walk in them. Family, have some of us forgotten who we are? That, you know, we've, we, we, we remembered we've come from death and we, we know we're alive. And, but we've gotten, we've gotten comfortable with living out our identity as Christians, as his workmanship. That we've gotten lackluster with... With, 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 with taking risks for, with serving people, with reaching out and, 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 and trying new things in order to serve our community, in order to serve our church, in order to lead people to Christ, in order to serve our, our workplaces. Um, just like a successful celebrity might forget the things that are central to who they are, we as Christians can sometimes forget that we were created for good works. 
And one of the ways that we oftentimes forget that we're created for good works is that we neglect witnessing to our neighbors about Jesus. That we, we, we actually kind of go, start going through the motions. And it's really easy to do this as a pastor because we, we just do ministry all day. And so it's just like, oh, you know what? I've done enough ministry today. I don't have to get out of my comfort zone and share the gospel with that stranger. Or, you know, I, I don't have to really pursue that. You know, we, 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 there's all, uh, wherever you are, you can make an excuse about why we shouldn't get excited about the good news and share it with our neighbors. But here's the thing. When the good news is good... When anything is good, we share it. And so, Christian, uh, what do we do with this message? I want us to boast about the goodness of our Savior. I want us to just prayerfully start to re-implement, if we haven't already, ways to share the gospel with our friends, with our families, with our neighbors, with our coworkers. Um, uh, and we should do this when we're scared, when we don't feel like it, when we're socially uncomfortable when we might feel like it will make things awkward, when we're insecure, and when we doubt our own abilities. Um, because Why? Because the good news is too good to keep to ourselves. If something is that good, we can't keep it to ourselves. If God is bringing people to life, we can't keep it to ourselves just because it's socially awkward. If God is bringing people to life, he's, he's resurrecting dead people through our witness. We have to share it. In the same way that we share our favorite restaurant, don't we do this with everything else? You know, when, when, when people are talking about, hey, you know, you have any restaurant recommendations? We're like, oh, you got to try. This place is so good. My wife is really good at restaurant recommendations. Actually, you know, whenever someone's like, hey, let's go out to dinner. And I'm like, hey, Janelle, you know, what's that page on Instagram you see with all the great restaurants? Just pick one. We'll go to it. Um, but, you know, we, we, we get excited and we tell other people about it. Like, man, the French fries there were crazy. Or like the, 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 the new movie that came out, oh, you have to go see it. You know, and we tell people to see it multiple times, to, 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 to spend money to go see it. Or our favorite music album or our favorite athlete, we get excited. We keep up with them. We want to tell other people about them. It's just like Christians, we have a favorite God. There's many gods of this world. Uh, some are, are literal gods and some are figurative gods, like money, success, popularity, um, and here's the thing. God wants us to share himself uh, with others. And so, family, the, 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 the thing that we ought to do is just remember. Remember how God picked us up and turned us around and placed our feet on solid ground. Remember that God's love to you was a balm to your bleeding soul and hope in a hopeless situation. Remember how God provided every need in the midst of starvation and homelessness, how God provided for you. Remember how God's mercy shone in the midst of our crushing guilt and shame. Remember how time and time again, God's grace made a way out of no way through many dangers, toils, and snares. Remember how God has given us strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. Remember how Jesus walks with us through our sorrows and trials, and he never leaves our side. Remember how King Jesus rode over our enemies when we were under abuse and horrible situations. Remember how God's power transformed those destructive habits and desires that were making your life fall apart. And remember how God's call over your life gave you a mission to go out and transform your neighborhood and, and your home and your city and your community when you grieved over it. 
Remember all of God's goodness. Oh, my soul, forget not his benefits. Family, remember where you came from. Remember who got you here. And remember who you are. And this is vital in the Christian walk. And the only way we can do any of this is because we have a great Savior who did the same. Didn't Jesus do these three things? Jesus always remembered where he came from. You see, Jesus didn't come from death. He came from heaven. And that was the only reason he could come and, re- and bring us to life. Jesus always remembered that um, he was uh, here on the earth for God and sent by God. He always remembered who got him there. And also, Jesus remembered who he was. He remembered that he came here to die for our sins. He never lost sight of his mission. And this is the reason why Jesus, by the power of his spirit, can help us remember So family, I want us to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil by remembering that the good news is good. And let us live lives that share the good news with others. Let's live in life, not death. Let's live in victory, not defeat. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for the ways that you have brought us to life. God, you have been so good. God, I pray that you would help us to do the work of remembering this weekend. Holy Spirit, help us to remember where we've come from. Help us to have a sense of horror, a sense of grief that we were once dead, but a sense of gratefulness and joy that we are now alive. Lord, I pray that this, 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 this uh, enthusiasm, this joy would bleed into every area of our lives. Lord, help us to regain a vision of your grace and regain a vision of our constant need. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to actually live lives that are are bold, that take risks, that that, that display the immeasurable riches of your kindness. Lord, help us to remember that we were created for good works. Lord, I pray that we would share our faith and would watch people come to faith around us. That we watch people... um, Be surprised by the goodness of the good news, by the ways that we talk and the ways that we live. Lord, we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.